0: Good, good. I think I'm doing better than you. I'm excited. I'm excited to preach this morning. Um, I believe that uh, I am called to be a preacher. I believe that I am called to be the pastor of this church, and I'm excited to do it. I'm excited to step in that. And I say that because it's important what you believe. In fact, we call ourselves as Christians, don't we call ourselves believers, right? We're believers. We believe things that the world doesn't believe. We believe things that actually are pretty outlandish. That's why we call ourselves believers. We believe that a virgin gave birth to the God of all creation. We believe things that are pretty crazy, right? But that's why we boldly say, I'm a believer. I'm unashamed. I believe things that don't make sense to the rational mind. Because I believe there is a truth, that God is truth, and his truth supersedes logic, reason, emotions, what the world says. Amen? So can you say it with me? Say, "I'm I'm a believer. Amen. You are a believer. And today, the title of this morning's message, if you take notes, it's um, I'm upgrading my beliefs. That's what I'm doing today. I'm upgrading what I believe. I do believe good things. I believe, uh, I say I believe, there's songs that came on the radio from the Newsboys. I believe in, we sing another song, I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ his Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit and the three are one, right? There's things that we sing songs where we believe these things. And I think there's things that we believe that are core to our faith. But can I say it this way? I'm gonna be bold. I think everyone in this room, including the pastor up here, has beliefs that aren't 100% accurate. I'm gonna be bold. There's things that you believe about God that aren't true. There's things that you believe about your own identity that aren't true. And today I believe God wants to upgrade our beliefs. He wants to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. He wants us to understand things that we don't currently understand. And I love it because I'm one of those people that I'm not super intellectual. Like, I went to college, I have a degree, I, I enjoy learning and growing and all those things. But I praise God he picked me as a pastor that isn't super intellectual because my favorite verse in there is I don't lean on my own understanding. I'm not going to lean. I'm, my gift set is not that I'm so smart that I can figure things out and I can teach you because I'm so smart. That's not my gift set. My gift set is I'm a believer. I believe in God even when my brain doesn't compute. I lean not on my own understanding in all my ways. I just want to know God. I want to be intimate with him. I want his heart to be my heart. I just wanna be in relationship with him so much that I know his whisper, I know his voice, I know his correction, I know his encouragement. I know when it's authentically Jesus, I know when it's the enemy coming in like an angel of light trying to sound like God. I'm like, nope, I have such an intimate relationship with God. I know what I believe. It's not because I figured it all out rationally. It's because I have this intimate intimacy with God. I believe God is a knowable God and he makes himself known to us. Yes, through his written word. Yes, through rightly dividing the word of truth. Yes, through studying this. Yes, that's a huge part, but that's not the only part. I can know him in all kinds of ways. And I love that. And I I wanna think about something. Kind of a, a core faith that I think we all, are a core tenet to our faith, a verse that maybe you learned early on in Christendom at Sunday school is Romans 10.9. I think I have it. Romans 10.9 says this. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Who here has ever heard that verse before or something like it? Right? So you, you've heard that before. How do you get saved? Well, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him to the dead. You believe that he died on the cross for your sins. You have to put faith in something that doesn't quite make sense. But when you do that, oh, let's think about it this way. When you follow that scripture, you confess something with your mouth and you believe in your heart, all of eternity changes. Something that you believe in your heart transferred you from living in a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. Something you believed shifted your eternal destiny to being in hell for all of eternity, to being in heaven with God for all of eternity. So let's think about that. Just let that sink in for a second. Something you believed in your heart had a catastrophic the most incredible change that could ever happen because you believe something and confess it with your mouth. I believe that's true for salvation and I believe it's true for a whole lot more in God's kingdom. It's a principle. It's not just talking about that's how you get to heaven. You've heard your pastor say, I don't care just about your ticket to heaven. I care about us walking and living in the kingdom of God and this is a principle. What you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth changes things. I can say the negative, go back to Genesis, in the beginning, Adam and Eve, they were told you are created Adam and Eve, you're created in the image of God. I'm giving you dominion authority over everything, right? That God is good, they're walking and talking in the cool of the day. They have perfect intimacy and relationship with God. And yet the enemy comes in and this is again, this is my take. I don't believe the enemy came in one time to talk to Adam and Eve. He came in multiple times as a crafty snake as a deceptive one, and he took scripture or things that God said, God's word, and he twisted God's word just a little bit each time, just barely twisting it until Adam and Eve actually believed something about God that wasn't true. They had a perfect relationship with God, but somehow the enemy came in and made them believe that God was withholding something good from them. They believed that they weren't 100%, they had everything they needed that there was something they were lacking. They started to believe that. That's why they took an eight. So what they believed actually caused the biggest problem this world has ever known. Can I say it this way? What you believe is your biggest problem. It's not the enemy coming after you. It's not what someone else has done. It's not even your own failures and your mistakes. Your biggest problem in life is what you believe. I'm gonna say it again. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you are saved. It's a principle in God's kingdom. If there's something that you're struggling with, I'm telling you, it's something you're believing. If you believe that God is good all the time, we say all the time, God is good, God is good all the time, we say all the time, and we say it with our mouth, but I think there's sometimes where a situation comes in and we don't fully believe that God is 100% good because why else would he let this happen? I mean, if God is good and he's all powerful, why would this happen in my life? I'm just, I'm being honest. Anyone other than me in this room has ever questioned God's goodness when something bad happens in your life? It's the enemy, it's what he does. He wants you to believe that God isn't good. He wants you to believe things about God that aren't true. And he, he never gives up on his pursuit of making you believe something that isn't true. Again, how did, how did the devil tempt Jesus, the son of God? If you are the son of God. It wasn't a temptation, all the other things that came after that. It's the first words. If you're the son of God, why would your father have you go in the wilderness? It says the spirit led him into the wilderness. If you're the son of God, why would God make you be dying, physically dying, haven't eaten or drinking for 40 days? I mean, if you're the son of God, why would he treat you like that? This is how the enemy works. It's not all the things and bad things that happen in your life. It's what you believe. If he can get you to believe something, ah, oh, he won the game. What you believe and confess with your mouth has way more power than we, than we realize. Can I say it this way? There's thoughts that I think that don't line up with what I believe. I just told you, I believe I was called to be a pastor. I said it this morning. Can I be honest with you? There's lots of times thoughts have come into my mind that have nothing to do with what I believe. I'm thinking, oh, wow, I'm not equipped. I'm not prepared. I didn't do this right. I didn't do this right. Why would God still use me if I did all these things wrong? Like I, He probably picked the wrong person. These thoughts come into my head. But I have to go back to, no, this is what I believe. I have to tell my thoughts what I believe. I believe God called me to be a pastor. I'm thinking this thought right now, but this is what I believe. Hmm. Can I say it this way? Your thoughts and emotions don't validate truth. They validate what you believe. That's really good. I got to say that again because I'm teaching myself right now. Your thoughts and emotions don't validate truth. They validate what you believe. Someone needs to write that down. I think myself and two, like I'm telling myself right now. Your thoughts and emotions are only validating what you believe. If you are fearful, it's pointing to the fact that you believe something that you shouldn't be believing. Because he doesn't give us a spirit of fear. His perfect love casts out fear. These are the truth. This is what I believe. I believe God is for me, not against me. So why am I fearful? Because I have emotions and thoughts that tell me something different. And so I'm saying this morning, I want to elevate or upgrade my beliefs so that they start out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth begins to speak. I'm not saying what I feel and think, I'm saying what I believe. Do you, I don't, is it making sense that there's a difference? Yes. Too many, I'll just be super practical, super honest. I said something even last night, watching my son Ezra play a middle school football game. I saw our team, we were smaller in size, smaller in numbers. I saw the other team come and I was like, we're gonna get slaughtered. I just said it out loud. We're gonna get slaughtered. And my wife said, stop it, don't say that, (laughs) right? Because I just said something that I believed. And I say, no, I need to change and upgrade my beliefs. They still get slaughtered. Just see the reality, They they get beat by a lot. But there's things that I just realize. there's power in what I say. And I've got to guard my mouth. I've got to guard my thoughts. I've got to think about what I truly believe. And I've got to say, no, what I believe is going to dictate my thoughts. What I believe is going to dictate what I say. So there's things that you believe about God that might be true, but your thoughts and your words are not lining up. And God is saying, you guys know this, Romans chapter 12. You've heard this before, 12 too. Another famous verse. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's read the New Living Translation. I like what it says. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You need to be changed into a new person. And it's going to come by the way you think. There's a battle in your mind but I'm telling you, your beliefs need to overrule your thought life. I I can ask right now, who here believes you're a son or daughter of God? We say it, we believe it. But how many times do you think orphan thoughts? Do you believe you are blessed and highly favored of God? I believe that core of my being, but sometimes I look at my finances and I'm saying, I don't feel like I'm blessed financially right now. And I'm not saying we deny reality. No, our faith does not deny the the, the, reality, the existence. Our faith does not deny the reality of difficulty. It denies its influence over my beliefs. The reality is my bank account isn't very full right now, but I believe I am blessed and highly favored. I believe that God can do all things. I believe that nothing is too difficult for Him. I believe that He owns a cat on a thousand hills. I believe that He is my provider. It's His character, it's His nature to always give me what I need. I believe, like David, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. That's what I believe. I'm not looking at my bank account to tell me what I believe. I'm looking at my bank account and I'm telling my bank account, "This is what I believe." You listen to me instead of me listening to you. I'm using that as one as a zillion examples. It can be your health, it can be your relationship with an estranged family member. Whatever it is, it's the reality says this, and I'm saying, I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I have a faith, I am a believer. That's what I call myself, I'm a believer. So I make decisions, I act, and I talk because I'm a believer. Is this making sense? See, I, I, I have some notes here under Romans 12 too. It doesn't say be transformed by trying harder. Let that sink in for a second because that is a twisted truth that the enemy will speak into your life. You're not successful because you're not trying hard enough. You're not free from this sin because you're not trying hard enough. Is there some truth to that? The The enemy always takes truth and perverts it because what he's doing is he's saying you should be ashamed of yourself. You're not trying hard enough. Look at you. You don't deserve God's grace. He's getting his focus on you. And what I believe is, it's not up to me. I believe in a God who does all. It's his grace. I'm saved by grace through faith. It's not of good works. It's not me trying harder that saves me. It's not me trying harder that makes all these things happen. So there's even scripture. The enemy twists. It's things that like, well, yeah, I believe that. And then it's twisted. It doesn't say, Be transformed by focusing primarily on your behavior. Does your behavior and your actions matter? Of course they matter. But I'm telling you, your beliefs matter more than your actions. Don't twist that, that you can, it's liberty with sloppy grace to go make stupid choices. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) I think even as I said that, there's people in the room that you're questioning things. And I think that's okay, I'm okay with questions but at some point your beliefs have to overrule your questions. This thought came out, the man that's hanging on the cross, the thief on the cross, he had no actions whatsoever that he would deserve to go to heaven. But Jesus said, because you believe in me, today you're gonna be with me in paradise. So can you argue with that? Beliefs matter more than actions? And I get it, I I, I hear Dennis Prager, he says, I don't care about your motives, you can have a good heart, but if you're choosing to do bad things over and over again, then I'm gonna judge you for your actions. There's there's a balance to these things. Oh man, okay, this is side tangent real quick. This thought came to my mind, it's probably biblical, I didn't look it up. (laughs) Wisdom is having more than one truth And holding them in tension and knowing what to do. This has nothing to do with my core message, but this is for somebody, probably myself too. Wisdom is knowing that God is good all the time. And knowing that he leads me through a valley of the shadow of death. Which one is true? Does he lead me there or is he good? They're both true. But I have the wisdom to say I can hold these in tension and it doesn't make me lose my joy and my peace and my confidence that he's good because I know he's gonna work this out. I don't have to understand it all, but I have the wisdom to say, I understand that God is good in the midst of this. Hmm. I'm gonna leave that, because I I could keep going on for a while, but I'm gonna leave that. Hmm. I had this underlined, I wrote this down. What we believe is the deciding factor in what we will experience. What you believe dictates what you will experience. I'm gonna experience heaven because of what I believed. I'm gonna experience intimacy with God here and now because of what I believe about who God is. I'm not waiting just to heaven one day. My belief system says that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is here, it's at hand, it's now. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So I am believing that when I come to church, I'm gonna experience the presence of God. I'm believing that when I come to church, miracles are gonna happen. I'm believing that when I leave church, I'm equipped and filled with the Holy Spirit that when I go out and spend time in the marketplace, miracles are gonna happen there. My beliefs are dictating what I'm gonna experience. If I believe that God is good most of the time, it's gonna dictate my experiences. If I believe that God is good all the time in the midst of my difficulty, it's going to change how I experience that difficulty. Hmm. All right, one of my favorite verses. Let me tie this in a little bit Romans 15, 13. I got it memorized, but I'll put it up on the slide. Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. One of my favorites. And I know I'm not alone on this. Who here has ever read a scripture that you've read like a hundred times and all of a sudden you read it, you're like, oh my goodness, how did I miss that the first hundred times? Anyone else? All right. Because I'm talking about in believing. If you would have said, does Romans 15, 13 have to do anything about what you believe? I'd be like, no, it's just talking about God of hope. And it's a God about this joy and this peace. I was like, wait, it has the word in believing in there? Let me get this straight. There's a God who's full of hope, who calls himself a God of hope. And he wants to fill you with his joy and his peace. It's his desire. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Can I say it this way? There's verses that back this up, right? In his presence is fullness of joy. So is God ever lacking any amount of joy? No, he's full of joy. Jesus is the prince of peace. He is the one that creates. Oh man, I, I don't have it right now. There's a verse I just read, underlined it this week where it says, Jesus is peace. He's not just the prince of peace. Peace is actually a person. So he can't lack who he is and he wants to give it to you. And it says that it's his desire as the God of hope to give you joy and to give you peace and that through the power of the Holy Spirit, your life would just be abounding and overflowing with hope. So that's God's part. It's his desire, it's his supply, and it's what he wants to do. And if there's any area in your life that you're not abounding in hope, you're not exuding joy and peace, is it God's fault? Or is it connected to your beliefs? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. We have a responsibility to believe. Oh, man. I hope you're hearing me because I, oh, this is, even as I'm saying this, the enemy would love to give shame, but God is not a God of shame. And I believe God wants to break some shame off today. That's one of the things he wants to do today. For there's some of us in this room, we have areas of our life where we are not abounding with joy. We do not have the joy of the Lord and we are hilariously excited for all that God is doing. And I'm going to tell you, it's rooted in what you believe. It's not not a God problem. It's not the enemy coming after you. It's not because of this person. It's not because of this circumstance. It has nothing to do with what the world is doing, the enemy is doing, or God's lack. It has everything to do with my believing. Any area of my life that I don't have abiding peace that surpasses all understanding, it's a belief problem. Something I believe about God is not 100% accurate. Something I believe about my situation, something I believe about myself is not 100% accurate. And God is saying this morning, he wants to upgrade your belief so that he can fill you with his joy and peace. Okay, I wrote it, so I'm gonna find it. So I'm gonna say it. Otherwise I might say it differently and wrong. Well, not wrong, but just differently. Every area of your life that does not glisten with hope means you are believing a lie. And they keep saying it. And that area is a stronghold of the devil in your life. Okay, it's very harsh, very powerful, and the enemy would love to shame you, but it's actually to set you free. Hearing the truth is what sets you. You shall know the truth, like not just hear it, but actually know it and receive it and bring it into your life. And yes, believe in the truth. When you believe in the truth, it sets you free. So I'm gonna say it again. Any area of your life that is not glistening with hope means you are believing a lie. And that area is a stronghold of the devil in your life. I can stop preaching right now. I'm gonna stop preaching soon, but that needs to sit and resonate within some of us. We need time to chew on that and process that and think about that and figure out what areas of our life are not glistening with hope. What area of your life Uh, can I put it this way? Maybe it's a little more comical. You're allowed not to have hope wherever God doesn't have hope. You're allowed to take that situation and if God says, yeah, don't even pray about that because there's no way that's gonna change. If that's God's answer, you're allowed not to have hope. I guarantee you God does not think that. There's nothing that he thinks, yeah, that's hopeless. There's no way. That can be fixed. That's too long of a history of things being wrong. How could it ever change? That's not how God thinks. He's the God of hope. So if we're sons and daughters, I should be a son of hope. You should be a daughter of hope. You should be glistening with hope when the whole world says that's hopeless. And if you aren't, it's this harsh truth. You're believing a lie. And it's a stronghold of the enemy. And God is saying he wants to bring these things to the because he's mean? No, because he wants you to experience freedom and joy and gladness and peace. He wants to give you what he's thinking, his thoughts. I mean, I've said this phrase several times and it just needs to go deeper. Any thoughts you think about yourself that God doesn't think should never be in your mind. I'm being honest with you. There's a whole lot of thoughts that Ryan has thought about myself That if I'm honest, I'm like, no, God does not think that way about me. I know my shepherd's voice, but why does it seem so real? Again, feelings don't validate truth. They just validate what I believe. I feel this way. I'm thinking this way. So I've got to change what I believe. Hmm. All right. We definitely got to hit this verse. Let me find it. Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. Let's just read it and maybe I'll go back. Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. This is Paul opening up his letter to Ephesians. He's saying this. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his uncomparably great power for us, Who believe. Did you catch at the end? Believe again. There's this word believe. I've read this verse, I don't know how many times I love this. Is Paul saying that he keeps asking or he continually prays this over the church in Ephesus? It's not a one-time prayer. In fact, I'll just really quick. I love reading what Paul is written down, what Paul prays. I, I haven't found it yet, I could be wrong. I haven't found a whole lot of times that Paul is praying in a letter. He's praying for these people. I'm praying that your Aunt Sally gets better from her sickness. And not that it's wrong to pray those things. I'm not saying it's wrong. But when Paul records these things, he's recording prayers that this is the core of what he's praying. Yes, we should pray about all these things. We prayed over uh, um, Caleb yesterday. Caleb was playing the same middle school football game and he got injured it's the right thing in that moment to pray over his body that he's not in pain, let's pray over him. That's right, so I'm not saying we shouldn't do those things. I'm just saying what's recorded in scripture tends to be that Paul's going like, this is the nitty gritty, this is the core of what I'm praying for you. And this is what he says. I'm praying that you receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So what? Why does he want you to have spirit of wisdom and That you may know God better. Can I tell you, this is probably the answer to every problem in the world. If you actually had a spirit of wisdom and revelation to actually know the Father, all the cares of this world would go strangely dim. If you had perfect intimacy with the glorious maker of heaven and earth, how could you be anxious about anything? I've said it on Wednesday night several times. I've been reading Psalm 23. I can't say I've read it every single day, but it's pretty close. I'm reading it daily. Psalm 23, because we're in the year 2023. So I'm just, Psalm 23, I'm reading it. I'm getting convinced that it wasn't just a prayer. This is what David is revealing. This is his belief system. I believe to the core of my being that Yahweh is my shepherd. How could I ever be in a place of lack? How could I want anything else than just beautiful intimacy with him? One day in his presence is better than a thousand elsewhere. At the end of the Psalm 23, surely his goodness and mercy, they're just surrounding me and following me all the days of my life. And I'm gonna dwell in his house forever. Not just when I die to go to heaven one day. I mean, every day of my life, I'm just dwelling in the house of the Lord. His goodness and mercy, they're pursuing me. It's not like every once in a while I look back and like, oh yeah, there they are, way off the distance. God was good to me. Remember back in 1993, like God was really good to me that year. It's like, no. His goodness and mercy are on my tail and they're chasing me. They're trying to tackle me every day of my life. I'm just getting overwhelmed and overcome by goodness and mercy. They're chasing after me every day of my life. I'm in this constant awareness that God is so good. And any time I'm not aware of that, I'm not thinking that, I'm not overwhelmed with God's goodness, I'm under the influence of a lie. Because this is the truth. His goodness and mercy are all over your lives. They're chasing you. It brings him so much pleasure to give you the kingdom, to give you his joy, to give you his peace. He's not a reluctant father saying, oh, I have all this peace and I wish they would just get their act together so I can give them a little bit of it. He wants you by the power of the Holy Spirit to abound in it, to have it spilling out that your cup would run over. Hmm. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. See, I like this because the first, couple, first part of the verses is talking about that you may know him. There's things that I believe about God that need to be upgraded. But then it says that you would know the calling on your life, that you would know the inheritance that is yours, that you would know the power of Jesus Christ that is in you. Paul is saying, I want you to know God better, and I want you to know who you really are. I don't have this written down, but I'm pretty sure you guys can Google me later. I think it was Mark Twain who said this. The two most important days in your life, the day you are born and the day you find out why. I'm saying I'm gonna make that a little spiritual. The most important day in your life is the day you are born again. The second most important day in the kingdom of God is when you find out why you were born again. To what purpose? Just to go to heaven? That's not the purpose that you were saved. The two most important days in your life are the day you were born again and were transferred into his kingdom. And the second most important day of your life is when you find out why, what is your calling? What is the inheritance God has given you that's different than the inheritance he's given me? Why are you so unique and special? First Corinthians, it says, second Corinthians, it says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. That word new creation means prototype, meaning you've never existed before. Can I tell you the natural? I don't mean to get weird, but When a sperm and an egg come together, it says the scientists say like a flash of light happens. That's conception. What happens? A new DNA is formed that's never existed before ever. Fingerprints are made that have never existed ever. Every single one of us have this unique, we are different than all the other billions of humans on the planet. And it's the same thing when you are born again, you are a new creation. You're altogether new. You're a new prototype. You're not just like, oh, you're just like me. You're not just like me. You have different fingerprints. You have a different DNA. You have a different calling in the kingdom of God. That's why I boldly say, I would never want anyone else's life. God created me with a DNA and a purpose and a calling and an inheritance. I, wouldn't, I don't want your life. I want to live the way that God has called me to live. And when I figure out why he's called me to live this way, it's a glorious day. Some of you look at other people's lives like, man, I wish I had that. I wish I, man, I wish I was born into that family. I wish I had it easy as them. And if you actually knew why God put you in that situation, why God formed all these things and why God had you go through those difficulties, why he led you through a valley of shadow death, it wasn't just the enemy. It was God leading you through those things. And he was shaping you to have a specific, unique calling so that he could use you in a way he can't use me. And when you receive that inheritance when you actually understand it it's a glorious day and i'm believing that today is the day of salvation now is the time of god's favor he wants someone in this room to say i believe i believe that jesus is my savior but i also believe that he's called me and there's an inheritance that's mine it's rightfully mine it's not arrogance it's not pride It's like me saying, I believe I'm a pastor. I believe I'm called to be the pastor of this church. That's not arrogant. That's me just aligning with the truth of who God says I am. And I have to say it out loud so that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm telling myself, I'm telling my mind, I'm telling my emotions. This is what Ryan believes. This is a day where you get to tell yourself what you believe. And your fears... And your anxieties, they get to line up with the truth of God's word. The truth of what you are declaring you believe.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, let's do it. I'll have the, the worship team come on up. I told you I cut worship short. Because what I'd like to do is I don't want it just to be a ministry time and people will slowly leave. I'd like to spend a moment receiving the word of truth, applying it. And everyone staying here. Have enough time where everyone can stay here and still go get your kids. But some worship needs to happen because I think some ministry happens before the worship, right? I believe Jesus wants to put his finger, if he hasn't already, he's putting his finger on some things in our life that he's saying, this needs to change. What you believe needs to change. And we need to process that. We need to actually take it in and receive it and repent. Say, God, I repent of my old way of thinking. I choose to believe this today. And then celebration and worship happens in a new level. I almost called when I was preparing this week. The title this morning, this message was mind surgery, right? I'm not a brain surgeon, but I believe that God today wants to use me somehow as a vessel to allow him to be a mind surgeon to transform us by the renewing of our minds today. Like a surgeon, like that word transform means metamorphosis, right? Like the caterpillar to a butterfly. God wants to do, I was gonna say there's someone in this room, I'm gonna say he wants to do it to every single one in this room. He wants a metamorphosis to take place in all of who we are, that we would all together be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we're going to take a moment i'm going to pray and i want you to ask holy spirit jesus would you put your finger on something in my life where the enemy has come in and he's twisted something that i believe about you that's not true something i believe about myself that's not true like ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 says would you give me today the spirit of wisdom and revelation that the eyes of my heart would be open to see something that i believe that's not true as I confess that I believe what you say, would you do a transformation, God? Would you do what I can't do? I'm not transformed by trying harder. I'm not transformed by anything I can do other than just simply confess I believe. So God, we just sit here in this moment, believing this is a divine moment and I'm not gonna miss my moment. God, there's too many areas in my life that need to be transformed. Where I'm still inching around like a caterpillar and you have called and created me to live a life where I'm flying like a butterfly. And God, I need to be transformed and I can't do it, but I can choose to believe what you say. And so I ask with again with my hands in front of me, God, I open up my heart, I open up my mind and I confess, I need you. I need by the power of the Holy Spirit for you to reveal things that I can't see. I, There's area of my life where the deceiver has deceived me and I don't wanna listen to him anymore. I don't wanna empower him anymore. I wanna know the truth and walk in it and be free in it. So the worship team is just gonna sing this song, but I encourage you, don't stand, don't worship. Would you just stay in a posture, you can get on your knees, you can stay seated. Would you just take some time and do business with God? Allow the Holy Spirit to do some things in your life right now as we sing this song. And I'll get your attention in just a second.
1: Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation. Purchase of the spirit, of his spirit, washed in his blood, as yes, we believe the blessed assurance that Jesus is my Of God, born of his spirit, and washed his blood. This is my story. Yes, this is my story. This is my story, this is my song, praise Him, my Savior, all oh, the day long, yeah, perfect submission, perfect submission. perfect delight visions of rapture now burst on my side angels descend and bring from Whispers See you with us. This is my story. This is my story.
0: if I get your attention again real quick, I feel like I'm supposed to do something before I give an invitation. In Ephesians 3, it says this, because of Christ and our belief in him, we can now boldly and confidently enter into God's presence. As an illustration, I think about when I go to my mom and dad's house, I don't live there anymore, that's, that's their house. I got my own house, I got my own property, my own kids, I got my own life. But there's something, I, I can go to that house anytime I want whether they're home or not, and I boldly and confidently enter that house and I look in the refrigerator, if they got a cold Gatorade, that's my Gatorade. I can go in the closet, they got batteries that I don't have in my house, I can go get those batteries and I can go put them and stuff in my house. It's my dad's house, but he's giving me access. He's given me a key and he says, you can come anytime you want, Ryan. My house is your house. And there's something I know that there's someone in here today that God wants to break off shame. I know God is holy, holy, holy. And there's angels 24 seven that are hiding themselves in his presence. And there's thunderings and there's lightnings and all the stuff that's going on. And it's not wrong to fall down prostrate and worship him in that same type of atmosphere. But there's something wrong if you don't feel like you ever have freedom to boldly, like I go into my dad's house. You can boldly and confidently and with complete freedom have access to God's throne room 24 7. It's not arrogance, it's not pride, it actually blesses his heart. And it says this, I won't read all the verses before this, but let me just read a couple. Paul says this, as an apostle, I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things has kept secret from the beginning of time. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Then it says, because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now boldly and confidently enter God's presence. Can I tell you, angels and demons cannot enter the presence of God like you can. They don't understand, they cannot compute. How can that person walk into the throne room of God and go anywhere they want and get God's attention whenever they want? Angels can't do that, demons can't do that. It confuses them. And it says that the church is meant to display the wisdom of God. And this is just another small act. I'm supposed to do this, Ezra, put your base down, get over here. It's just another act, I'm giving you that representation of me walking in my mom and dad's house. There's some of you that you just, you're visual learners. God is not keeping you at a distance and saying, well, if you work really hard, I'll eventually look at you. And yeah, you got a little bit of my ear, but I got really busy important things to do. Like I'm the pastor right now, I'm preaching, I don't have time for you right now. That's not how God thinks about you. Some of you need a visual representation where shame is ripped off. That if Ezra takes one step towards me, look what happens. (laughs) There's some of you that you need to know this is how God views you. It's his great pleasure for you to come into his presence. He hates it when you have shame. He hates it when you're believing things about you that, don't, that aren't true. The enemy is the accuser of the brethren. All day long, he lives to accuse you. And God is saying today, would you believe the truth about me and about you? This can be your second greatest day you've ever known. The day you came into my kingdom and the day you actually figured out who you are. So there's an invitation. Maybe today's a day of salvation. Someone needs to make Jesus the Lord of their life today for the first time or rededicate their life. But today's also an invitation for it to be the second greatest day of your life. To say, I need an upgrade in my belief system This message was for me, Pastor. I'm thinking and feeling things that aren't true, and I recognize them as not true, and I wanna believe today the truth. And I believe that God's gonna get prophetic words. Some of you are gonna get a prophetic word today. You're gonna get a calling on your life. It's actually not gonna be the first time. It's gonna confirm what you heard a long time ago. But it's an invitation. Do you believe? Do you want to believe? Do you want to be labeled as a believer? So we're going to sing another, I don't know, maybe a little bit more upbeat song. But I encourage you, just respond. Feel the pleasure of God as you come forward. That he loves to love on you. He loves to tell you the thoughts he thinks towards you. They're good, not for harm, to give you a future and a hope to remove all fear and doubt, and to give you a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. So just a second, like literally seconds, I'm gonna invite you to stand and sing this last song. But if this is resonating with you and you're saying, I need to respond, would you get up here as quick as you can and just get up here and let's just worship God and allow God to minister to you, amen? So on the count of three, stand, if that's you, get all the way up here, one, two, three.